feel like that should be the end, shouldn't it? Guess we can go eat now, right? Amen. A little business first. Uh, Skip, can you put up the picture? Uh, we have, you may not know it, we have our own chaplain now. Jeff Eckstein is now the chaplain of the Gilderland Police Department. God help them. No, I'm just... <laughs> no, no. You do. Not today. Not today. But no, we are so proud. No, we are so proud of our brother Jeff Exing. He is a real blessing to us. And, and, and he is already impacting lives there. So God bless you, Jeff. Thank you. Well, first of all, I want to just thank everyone for being here this morning on this special occasion. Uh, 50 years, and uh, we've had quite a few pastors here, uh, and we're so blessed to have our second pastor. I I, I saw him earlier, Dave McDowell. Dave, are you still here? Can you just stand? Dave is the... I I don't know if his wife was able to make it, but I did see see Dave, and I'll tell you... I'm still trying to, uh, I'm still living in your shadow, brother, so trying to get out from it. But it's great to have you truly this morning. And, uh, well, you you think about celebrating 50 years, you know, uh, that certainly is no small feat to make it 50 years. Anybody that knows me know that I don't believe there's going to be another 50 years, though. I think you have to look at what's happening in this world and in this country, and it doesn't take a rocket scientist, um, if you have read the book of Revelation, to believe that we are coming close to what the Bible calls the end of days. And I I believe that the only hope, truly the only hope, for this world and this country is the church of Jesus Christ. It is the only hope, and and that's really what my portion, you can clap if you want, not for me. Um, And that's really what I want to talk about during my portion here is it's time for the church of Jesus Christ to stand up. So I've entitled the message this morning, The Dream, The Dream. Lord, I just thank you what has transpired so far. Again, I thank you for everyone that is here on this occasion. I believe that you brought them. Please bless them, Lord. You are welcome here, Holy Spirit. May you manifest yourself even in a more powerful way. May truly God be glorified now. We, we we sung it, Lord. Now we're asking, Lord, that you are going to manifest in a powerful way. We're going to know that we were in the presence of the living God by the time we finish. And so I just ask that you would fill me from the soles of my feet to the crown of my head. And I just thank you for what you're going to do now in these next several minutes. And I praise you in Jesus' name. My being, this body, Being on fire for him, so much so that we're truly impacting this town with the Lord Jesus Christ, that's my dream. That is certainly my dream, but more about that in a moment. You know, for those of you who know me know that I'm not a very sentimental guy, and my wife's here, I think, somewhere, and she knows I'm not a very sentimental guy. I don't care about my birthday. We don't even really celebrate the anniversary much. I guess that's heresy, Uh, 
Don't really care about much about past achievements because the past is past to me. You know, always in the past there are good things and then there are not so good things. And my hope always for myself is that I I learn from them so that I can be more effective and more fruitful in the present and in the future. And Bethlehem Community Church is, is certainly no different there. We have had some really good times, and we've had some not-so-good times, and I think Betty did an awesome job sharing about just some of the great things that have gone on in Bethlehem Community Church. And so I thank Betty for that. And I just want you to know up front, I am tremendously thankful for all of the lives, all of the lives that have been eternally touched transformed by the various ministries and people that have been here and part of Bethlehem Community Church throughout the years. And I just want you to know personally for me and the leadership, thank you. Thank you for your faithfulness to the Lord. Now, I guess we need to discuss elephant in the room. You know, uh, Bethlehem has not always had good times. Uh, I guess a lot of churches have not always had some good times. And if you know me again, you know that I put the burden of that squarely on the shoulders of leadership. I told you last week that everything to me rises or falls on leadership. And good leadership knows where the target is. Good leadership knows where the goal is. Good leadership points the direction and leads the way and says, we're, we're going to take that hill for the Lord Jesus Christ. That is what good leadership does. Now, you know, when I came here 21 years ago, uh, we were in that other building and there were, yeah, I don't know, 80 people, 85 people. And uh, I remember getting together and quite honestly, our goal was to get some numbers. And, you know, that's not always a bad thing. And and, and being a pastor, we would go to various conferences and what, not church growth uh, type uh, books and conferences and, and, and how you can grow. And, and so we had all these methodologies and people said, you know, hey, we keep trying all this different stuff all the time. You know, we were trying different schemes and methods to grow and we did grow some. And, uh, you know, people that came, they got involved in the various ministry of the church. They were kind of islands to themselves a little bit. See, the problem we had at Bethlehem Community Church, it's not just us. We didn't really have a goal that we were moving towards as a whole. And in fact, the thing that kind of loosely held us together was the motto, a place where people matter. Bethlehem Community Church, a place where people matter. You might want to know we no longer have that motto anymore. Our motto now is Bethlehem Community Church, a place where people no longer matter. No, that's not true. I'm just, uh, I'm, I'm just kidding. It was, it, it was a joke. But, uh, you know, the reality is, is what really does matter is people matter. In fact, Jesus Christ said in Matthew chapter 28 and verse 19, some of his final words, he said, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. A disciple is a person. A disciple is not a number. And if you are really going to make a disciple of Jesus Christ, it takes time. It takes nurturing It's life on life. It's pouring into another person to the point where they can reproduce, to the point where they're living victoriously and not in defeat. 
to the point where they're no longer living a carnal lifestyle or a lukewarm lifestyle and giving Jesus a black eye, but rather than giving Jesus a black eye and his church a black eye, what they're doing because they're living victoriously, is that they are advancing the kingdom of Jesus Christ. That's what a disciple is. And that's really what the dream is and the goal is here in BCC. And, you know, as I was praying about this message, thinking, Lord, what do you want me to say? First Thessalonians chapter 1. Verses 4 through 10 is what he gave me. So, Skip, can you put up those verses? Because I think this really encapsulates what we're trying to do here at Bethlehem Community Church. Paul says this, For we know, brothers, loved by God, that he has chosen you because our gospel came to you simply, not simply with words, but also with power. With the Holy Spirit in deep conviction. You know how we lived among you for your sake. You became imitators of us and of the Lord in spite of severe suffering. You welcomed the message with joy given by the Holy Spirit. And so you became a model to all of the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. The Lord's message rang out from you every, and rang out to you not only in Macedonia and Achaia, your faith in God has become known everywhere. Therefore, we do not need to say anything about it. For they themselves report what kind of reception you gave us. They tell us how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who rescues us from the coming wrath. You know, the apostle Paul there, he gives us five reasons why he knew that the Thessalonians believers were the genuine article. The real deal, while they were truly disciples of Jesus Christ. And so I'd really like to very quickly look at these five reasons. In verse 5, we see the first reason. Paul says the first reason he knew that the Thessalonians were the real deal. The genuine article, they had caught the real disease, is he said, because when he came and preached the gospel to them, the good news of Jesus Christ and how they could be set free, he said, my preaching came with power. How did he know it came with power? Because the Holy Spirit was present. How did Paul know that the Holy Spirit was present? He said, because there was conviction. There was conviction. You know, so often people wonder, how do I know if the Holy Spirit is really moving? The way you really genuinely know that the Holy Spirit is moving is there is conviction. So many of the Thessalonians who heard Paul's preaching, they were cut to the quick. I mean, when they heard that preaching, the Holy Spirit zeroed in and he showed them their darkness. And I mean, they were broken. So many of them became broken. And as a result of being broken, they repented. And you know, when you repent, you know what happens? When you turn away from your sin, when you turn away from the world and you turn to Jesus Christ, you begin to change. You begin to transform. And uh, it's a marvelous, marvelous thing when you begin to see that change and, and that transformation occurring. So often though today, to be honest, and this isn't my line, this is A.W. Tozer, a great saint in the past, and Tozer even complained way back in the early 60s about wimpy preaching. And he talked about wimpy preachers. And he said, you know, 
Uh, if he lived in our day, he, he would talk about the preachers. You notice we have gelled hair now. And you notice my gelled hair? We, 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 we got the really pearly white teeth, you know, the crest white strips thing going on. And we, we want to be cool. We want to be relevant. Some of us even have tattoos. We got the jean thing going. Some of us have holes in our jeans. And then we got, of course, our, our shirt tails tucked out. And, and we're going to be cool and we're going to be relevant. And we're going to preach, you know, kind of a positive message. We're going to make you feel good. And you walk out and you feel good for few minutes temporarily, but it doesn't last very long. It's not transformative. And the reason it's not transformative is you see, when you're truly preaching the gospel, the good news, then the Holy Spirit is alongside that. He's within the word. It begins to penetrate. It begins to bring conviction to the hearts of people. Conviction turns to repentance. And repentance is a beautiful thing because there's healing. Do you realize that there'll never, ever be a change in your life? There'll never, ever be healing in your life unless you have repentance. Because what repentance does is it paves the way. When you have genuine repentance, it paves the way for the Spirit of God to come in you and to bring bring healing and transformation into your life. All right, Paul gives us a second reason why he knew the Thessalonians were the real deal. I mean, they, they, they caught the real disease called Christianity. They were true disciples. And Paul said because they became imitators, in verse 6, of him. So the Thessalonian believers began to imitate Paul, and Paul, of course, was a great copy of the template, the Lord Jesus Christ. So here is the chain of change. Skip, can you put that up? I want you to see the chain of change here real quick. Jesus, so Jesus is the template, all right? He, by the way, he's the goal. Our goal is to look like Jesus. Paul, the church leaders, the elders, the staff, we're supposed to be a great copy of the Lord Jesus Christ. And therefore, you, the body, are, should be able to copy because you're seen in me. You're seeing in the elders, you're seeing in the staff a picture of Jesus. Now, obviously, in America, where we're having a breakdown is really at a leadership level. We're having a breakdown at the church leader, at the elder level, at the staff level, because what you're not seeing is a real replication of Jesus. And you might say, well, why aren't we seeing a real replication of Jesus? I just want to give you two quick reasons. Reason number one is most people have have no idea what the pastor does. So I'm going to talk about the pastor. No idea what the pastor does during the week, do you? As far as you know, I just kind of show up on Sunday, right? You know, I work a half day. It's a pretty nice job. And then I play Satan's game the rest of the week, golf. Right? Right? I mean, that, 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 that's the only time you basically see, you know, the pastor uh, and, and, and whatnot. And the reality is, please listen to me now. I want you to understand something. Christianity, just for the record, is more caught than taught. Christianity is more caught than taught. I just want you to think real quickly about Jesus and the disciples. Did the disciples just listen to Jesus teach periodically throughout the week? No, they followed him. They saw him living Christianity. So they actually saw how the Christian life was to be lived. It was 
imitated. They had something, they had a template to imitate. And it's extremely important that you have that template to imitate because that's really what's not happening now. You don't see that kind of template occurring. And the reality is, if we're honest, do you know that many pastors' lives aren't what they should be? And I'll let you in on a secret. I'll tell you why. It's not because pastors are bad people. It's, and this is really the second reason, because a pastor realizes, you know, he becomes number focused. We live in America. He becomes successful. He says, I'm going to grow a church. And it sounds good to the guy, and we can even deceive ourselves. I'm going to grow a church. And in the meantime, he's pretty much not around at home. And his marriage begins to fall apart. And not only that, we're all, you know, PKs, notorious for what? Rebellion, right? There's a reason for it. You, I had three kids. And they see Jesus so often and the church taking their father away. Jesus is doing it. His church is doing it. And they're angry. And they're rebellious. And it is so sad. You know, and five years ago, maybe six years ago, I repented in front of you. And I said, what I'm doing is wrong. What I am doing is wrong. And I said, I've got to change my life. I've got to begin to actually look like Jesus, not just talk about Jesus. And a lot of you know, we downsized. We moved into an apartment. We took less. We lived on less. People now come into our apartment so they can just see how we live. There's Bible studies going on all the time, discipleship going on. And believe it or not, I said, you know, it's really weird, but I said, I got to get out there and witness right out there so people can see it. You know, you might be interested in this. You might be shocked, but let me just read this to you. Uh, Now, I'm quoting from the Church Leaders Intelligence Report, and it says this. Now, listen to this. A church is considered evangelistically effective if just one person in 20 in that church leads a person to Christ in a year. Now, that's scary. That would mean that a church of 100 people would see five people come to Christ in their ministry in one year if they were to be considered evangelistically effective. Based on this, now listen to this, only 3.5% of U.S. churches are evangelistically effective. 3.5%. And you know, you wonder why. No, seriously, you wonder why we are in trouble. And the dirty little secret is this. You know what the dirty little secret is? The average pastor does not know how to witness really one-on-one. In fact, I was talking to a pastor one time, and he said, well, you know, I witness on Sunday morning. I, I preach to the masses. And I said, that doesn't count. You're paid to preach. You know, remember, I'm paid to be good, and you're good for nothing. <laughs> but that doesn't count. The average pastor does honestly not know how to start a spiritual discussion with someone and then lead him to the point of giving the gospel and even receiving the gospel of Jesus Christ. And because of that, the people here don't know how to witness. They really don't. And, and, and I think that's a shame. I think, see, I, I think every single one of us in here ought to have the privilege of leading someone to Christ. 
There, I mean, there is nothing more exciting. You want to be on fire. There's nothing more exciting than when you have the opportunity to share the hope that's within you and you can lead someone to Jesus Christ. All right, very quickly. There's a third reason why Paul was absolutely convinced that the Thessalonians were the genuine article and that they were genuine disciples of Jesus Christ. And that is, we see it again in verse 8. They had joy. They had joy. You know, I said a couple of weeks ago, there's nothing worse than a Christian who looks like they've been sucking on lemons all morning. No, really, there is nothing worse. And you can't tell me that you're filled with the Holy Spirit, that you're a mature Christian, and you walk around with a constipated look on your face. I mean, it, it just doesn't work, and then you're negative, and you're, you're complaining about your life and how terrible your life is, and you're complaining about everything around you. By the way... That is not going to attract anybody to Jesus Christ. It is not going to attract anybody to Jesus Christ. Far too many of us are living under the circumstances. Remember we talked about that a couple weeks ago? Too often someone comes up to you and they say, how are you doing? And you say, oh, pretty well under the circumstances. And the obvious question of the Christian is, what in the world are you doing under there? Christians are not to be living under the circumstances. We are to be living above the circumstances. We are to be victorious. We are to be bubbling up, full of the Holy Spirit just pouring out of us. Full of joy, full of hope, full of peace. Now that's attractive. That's attractive. That's what was happening in the Thessalonian church. That's what's beginning to happen, by the way, here more and more. And I am excited about that. You know, let's move on to the fourth reason. The fourth reason that Paul knew that the Thessalonians were the genuine article, the real deal, real disciples, and we see it in verses 7 through 9. They were changing. Skip very quickly. Just put it up. And you came, he said, the Thessalonians, a model to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. The Lord's message rang out from you not only in Macedonia and Achaia, Your faith in God has become known everywhere. Therefore, we do not need to say anything about it, for they themselves report what kind of reception you gave us. They tell us how you turned from God to turn to God from idols to serve the living God. You know, I don't think there's any more powerful witness than a changed life. There is absolutely no more powerful witness than a changed, transformed life for Jesus Christ. I mean, that is really what we are trying to shoot for here is a change, transform life. And the Thessalonians, I mean, Paul is saying these people literally had idols. They burned their idols. They got rid of their idols and they turned to Jesus Christ and their lives were changing. I mean, in fact, Paul said that it was, he he literally said that their witness thundered out from Thessalonians to the surrounding cities in Greece. That's pretty awesome, don't you think? And the message the Thessalonian believers were giving was this. The message was this, Jesus Christ can change your life. No, Jesus Christ can transform your life. Jesus Christ can change you. It is a shame to see Christians and they're miserable. And I tell them, you don't have to live that way. Do you know that? It's a choice. You don't have to be full of addictions and strongholds, confused, in bondage, 
relationships falling apart. You don't have to live that way. The Thessalonians thundered forth. Their changed lives said, look at us. You can live differently. You can live victoriously. Don't believe the lies anymore. Begin to live victoriously. You can do it. You know, I think one of the tragedies sometimes of the American church is, you know, we have great huddles. Did you know that? You know what a huddle is? Like this is a huddle. Sunday morning is a huddle. Your small group will be a huddle. But we're really good at having these fantastic huddles. And you know, you come and you have awesome music. The, the, the preacher, he's excited. He's motivational. He's cool. Sort of. Not every preacher is cool. Thanks for letting that one out of the bag. No, no, no. I mean, and you walk out and, 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 and you're feeling good. And then what? Nothing, nothing. Think about this. Think about this. Imagine you go to a New York Giant game. God knows why you'd want to go, but you plunk down $100. Skip, can you put it up? And you, and you go, there's a giant huddle, all right? There it is. And, and, and you're paid $100. And the whole time, the Giants just stay in the huddle. Now, they got an awesome huddle going on there. Eli Manning, he's cool. They're doing jumping jacks. They're encouraging one another. They got sparklers in their huddle. I mean, it's awesome. But that's all they do. They never get out of the huddle. Are you going to be happy with that? No, see, the goal of the huddle, see, they're encouraging one another in there, believe it or not. They're challenging one another. Come on, you can do it. They're calling the play so that they can defeat the enemy. That's the whole goal of the huddle. And the whole goal, see, we got got church all backwards, and I don't have time for it this morning. But this is our huddle. We're supposed to be encouraging one another here on Sunday morning in our small groups. All right, this is the huddle. We, We challenge one another. We pray for one another so that we go out there and defeat the enemy. And you know who the enemy is? It's it is Satan, and we're supposed to be giving him a black eye. And you want to give you want to give Satan a black eye? If you know that this is where it gets exciting. If you want to give Satan a black eye, then you begin to transform. You begin to transform. You begin to change. And people go up to you, man, I don't know what you've been smoking in the morning. I don't know what's in your breakfast, but I want it. Because I love the fact you got love. You got joy. You got peace. You got patience. You got kindness. You got gentleness. You got full of faith and you got self-control. And I want it. See, we're supposed to make people thirsty. For Jesus Christ. All right, we got to move it on. Finally and fifthly, I just want to say there's a fifth reason why the Thessalonians were the genuine article. Paul tells us that they were waiting. It's verse 10. They're waiting. You know what? They weren't waiting, though, to win the lotto. They weren't waiting to get a bigger house and bigger camels. They weren't waiting for, you know, uh, to get a job promotion. They weren't waiting for the golden years, retirement, where they could be with the grandkids. You know what they were waiting for? They were waiting for Jesus Christ to come. That was their hope. That's what was beating in their breasts. That's what was creating the change in them. They had that incredible hope. They were looking. You do that every day. They were looking, Jesus, today's a great day. Maranatha, come. Come. This was their hope. What's your hope? 
What's your hope? Have you turned away from your idols? Or are they still holding you down? Is your life, is my life, a picture of what Jesus Christ can do? And see, as I am, I am so happy to be part of what I see Jesus Christ doing here. Now, I, I really am. I have begun to see more and more people changing and transforming within the last couple years and them having the opportunity to share the hope that's within them. I'll tell you, that's exciting stuff. That is exciting stuff. And so I am so excited and so thankful just to be a part of what the Holy Spirit's really begun to do here. God bless you. Father, as we look at this final last video, I just and we look at where we came from, I pray that it'll just be a real encouragement. Just a real encouragement, Lord. And I'm asking for this in your precious name. Amen. What you're going to see here is a video. It's actually about 28 minutes. We're only going to show seven minutes of it. But you're going to see the early years of BC music. And by the way, we have the 25 anniversary uh, or DVD that you can get. And you can also get this DVD in the back after uh, of the, this 28 minutes. Seven minutes up. Skip, can you play it?